On today's episode, tips for managing multiple injuries at once. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Thank you, Run Smarter Scholars, for joining me once again on another episode. Uh, like I said last, I have a list of ideas, a list of solo episodes that I've been meaning to get through, and I've had it on my list for several months now, and this one is no exception. I want to say thanks to Tamsin for submitting this question. I cannot remember how long ago it was. Um, it might have been maybe four, five months ago when this question was submitted like as I posted a Q&A and it was such a an interesting topic that I thought I could do a deep dive and put a whole or convert into a whole solo episode and so thanks Tamsin for submitting this question. I can't even remember what the question was but it was around managing multiple injuries at once and can we fit in the time? How do we fit in the time? How can we kind of juggle both effectively and really love the question so I saved it on my list of solo episodes that I really like, really enjoy the the topic and what it can delve into, and so getting through it now. Uh, hopefully, you don't have multiple injuries right now, but I do know a lot of runners do, and even if you don't, even if you're not injured at the moment, it's still really nice tips, really nice content for you to absorb and take on board to either help other runners or help you in the future, even if it is managing or some of these tips are to will help you even if you're trying to manage one injury but nonetheless I've uh, created how many steps here four steps or four kind of key areas that I want to focus on when it comes to managing multiple injuries and step one or topic one is to find what running dosages or modifications that need to be made that both of the injuries can tolerate so this is honing in on your running. This is honing in on what dosages or modifications need to be made in order for you to, and both of your injuries or all of your injuries, to be able to manage it properly. And this is important because when I'm working with runners, when a runner is injured, it's important that we consider, okay, can you still run? Can you still manage, even if it's slow amounts of running, what can you tolerate that doesn't flare up symptoms, that doesn't um, exacerbate symptoms so that you can stay on the track? Because if we can, if we can find some sort of dosage or some sort of running modifications while you're still injured, 
that doesn't flare up symptoms, then you are preserving a lot of your strength. You're preserving a lot of that um, capacity for the rest of the body. And we're being as, I guess, proactive as possible with trying to maintain a lot of your um, tolerances without losing too much fitness. And so we have to work out, okay, what running distance, what, um, how frequently, how, what speed, um, you can tolerate. And an example, let's just say you have proximal hamstring tendinopathy, but you're also managing an Achilles tendinopathy. Some modifications that you might need to make is, okay, you might still be able to run, but perhaps it's avoiding running uphill because we know running uphill requires a lot of compression for the hamstring tendon, which you might not be able to tolerate. And also running uphill puts a lot of pressure and a lot of tension through the Achilles tendon. And we know that with speed as well. We know as soon as you increase your speed, increases demands of a lot of things (laughs) in the body, but proximal hamstring tendon and the Achilles are no exception. So in this example, if you have these two injuries, you might want to work around with, okay, let me run three times a week. Let me run for 20 to 30 minutes, but I need to make sure that I keep a very conservative speed and I keep to the flats. That will keep both my injuries at bay and it's kind of troubleshooting, problem solving both of your injuries at once and seeing what dosages you can tolerate. And we've had um, explained in the past what an acceptable level might be. We want to have acceptable levels of pain in most cases below a four out of 10 pain levels during the exercise that doesn't exacerbate the symptoms afterwards and symptoms return to baseline within 24 hours. And those symptoms improve week over week. Those particular guidelines um, is sort of how you can interpret that what you're currently doing is acceptable and both of those injuries are tolerating those running dosages. And so once you overcome those injuries, you still have a a running base. You still have, um, you've built up a lot of capacity so that you don't have to start from scratch once again. Um, If we're talking about dosages, loading and other modifications that you might need to consider, uh, there is the terrain. So maybe avoiding road. If I know some particular injuries or some people who are managing injuries, they find that road running or like pavement bitumen is quite, um, provocative for their, their symptoms, but if they run on grass or if they run on the trails or, you know, just change up the terrain that way, then it gets those exacerbated symptoms down into those acceptable levels of um, acceptable levels of tolerance being you know less than four out of ten during that run. So terrain might be something you want to consider depending on the injury that you have. Avoiding say continuous running, particularly if you have an injury say ITB. If you have an ITB irritation. That, that is a particular condition that tends to get worse throughout your run because it's more of a repetition injury. And if you can imagine every step that you take just creates a little bit of friction or a little bit of rubbing on that irritated site. So the more you do, and if it's 10 minutes of continuous running, 
those symptoms tend to get a little bit worse. Then from ten, from minutes 10 to 20, significantly worse. From beyond 20 minutes, then it's a limp and it's um, severe. So those continuous bouts may not be as agreeable with that particular injury. So that might be something we need to modify. Might be doing some walk-run intervals and ITV uh, injuries in particular, people can thrive a lot more. Their running base, their weekly volumes can be a lot higher if they include some walk runs so that it doesn't irritate symptoms. So uh, perhaps the terrain is something you might want to modify. Perhaps the continuous running is something you might want to modify. Certain footwear, I guess, if you have like plantar fasciitis, or if you have shin splints, you might find that there are certain footwear, maybe that's a little bit more supportive that can help keep symptoms at bay and sort of get them from unacceptable pain levels into those acceptable pain levels. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Another modification might be cadence. I know for say knee pain, you might wanna operate at a higher cadence, even if it's a little bit above your natural, but we know that, that reduces knee loads. So that might be a modification that you need to make. And so it's being um, creative enough and being resourceful enough and having the right education to know, okay, I have these two injuries or multiple injuries. What properties aggravate the pain? What aspects of my running irritate one or the other? And what can I do to modify my running? What dosages do I need to run at? How frequently throughout the week? And what other modifications do I need to make to keep both those injuries at bay? Could be tricky if you're not too sure about the nature of the injury itself. You're not too sure what irritates things. Um, but that's why we have specific podcast episodes. If you go back through the feed and find a dedicated podcast episode towards that certain condition, you will find things that tend to ease it with running, things that tend to aggravate it with running. We know like... Um, knees, we know that low cadence, we know sometimes hills, we know that sometimes um, just overall large volumes can cause it to be painful. We know for say a narrow step width can be particularly irritating for shin splints, ITB syndrome, lateral hip pain. We know that downhill running also not great for ITB syndrome. Um, so just investigate those sort of things yourself or recruit a health professional to help you alongside um, finding or identifying those particular irritants and then coming up with some creative modifications in order to stay active as much as possible. So that's kind of step one. It's finding the running aspect of things. Step two that I have written down here is if you're unable to run or if you're only tolerating really low mileage, so we're not really challenging you um, your cardiovascular system, then you need to find a cross-training alternative. And again, finding something being resource resourceful enough that it doesn't, well, it can be well tolerated with both of your injuries. Or you could just do cross-training anyway. You could do your running three 
days a week because that's what you can tolerate, then you might want to do one or two days of cross-training um, just to increase that cardiovascular system. However, if you can't run, if you try running for five minutes and that flares things up, maybe it's a bit too early to start running or you might want to continue it like, you know, two, three, four minutes and wait for that to be built up. But if you're in that really low range, might as well trigger the body, stimulate the body cardiovascular wise and maintain your fitness levels with some cross training. But we need to be very careful because we're managing two injuries to try and find what cross training alternative we can do in order to maintain fitness levels, build up fitness levels, build up strength levels, but not exacerbate symptoms. So the examples of cross training would be, you know, cycling is a popular one, rowing, um, jump rope or skipping might be one, swimming, the one that all runners hate, um, maybe some HIIT classes, like some high intensity interval training classes or just gym classes, body pump, whatever have you. Uh, hiking is another one that you could do. So these are examples that you can draw from and you can just pick or try one and see how it manages with both of your injuries. So if, say, for an example, you had plantar fasciitis or, or like any sort of um, irritation around the foot, you might want to try swimming. Very non-load-bearing activities, very challenging for the cardiovascular system, and it's very hard to get some runners into the pool unless they're a triathlete, but uh, that's a really nice alternative. Maybe on the bike, if you have plantar fasciitis, um, that should be okay for the bike. Really depends on your level of irritation and what ranges of movement your knee can be, um, your knee is acceptable towards. So see how the bike goes. It might be a nice alternative. If you have another example, if you have shin splints and lateral hip pain. So if you, these particular injuries tend to get aggravated with single leg stuff, like single leg bounding, obviously running, um, but it's just that cutting in action and trying to support the body on one leg where um, the particular loads on the body just don't really agree with these types of injuries. So you might want to do something double-legged to help build up. So like jumping, box jumps, uh, squats, deadlifts. Um, I'll get to strength training later on, but in terms of cardio uh, cross-training alternatives, maybe hiking. Yes, hiking is... Um, the same like sort of walking pattern, the same movement patterns, but you're not entering this flight phase. You're just not loading the body really heavily in a single-legged position. You can walk with your feet quite wide and you can still generate high loads with hiking, but it just doesn't irritate those particular body parts um, the same way. So hiking might be a nice alternative if you have good footwear as well. Um, if you have any, if you have multiple injuries that are all above the knee, that or the the knee or above, so like your hip injuries, your hamstring injuries, groin injuries, um, you can do some jump rope, you can do some skipping. Um, I say both of those terms interchangeably because here in Australia we say skipping, meaning jump rope. But I have had some running clients in the past couple of months who look at me a bit funny because they associate skipping with 
frolicking in the fields. And so <laughs> I've caught wind of that. And now I have to be very careful with <laughs> what I say and making sure I use both of those um, terminologies. But when I talk about skipping, I mean jump rope. Um, they could be really nice because you're really working your calf. You're really working your Achilles. You're working your feet. They can um, be stimulated and it's a good cardiovascular workout as well. But we know for runners, like strong feet, strong Achilles, strong calves are really beneficial once you start reintroducing higher volumes of running. So doing some jump rope can be really nice um, and can keep, it won't stir up any injury that's knee focused or hip focused. It shouldn't anyway, in most cases. Um, the other ideas that I have, which you may not have considered, is to do your own like hit circuit like you can um if you do your own circuit at home it could just be a high intensity stations where you just find what stations your or what exercises both your injuries can tolerate and then you're just creating a tailored kind of session it could be push-ups it could be step-ups it could be star jumps it could be burpees it could be uh plyo lunges squats again jump rope tricep dips on a bench or the back of a chair or something. Um, and just tick the boxes of all these stations you can tolerate, work out maybe a, a, a duration per station and then how many rounds you want to do. So you might choose push-ups, step-ups, star jumps, burpees. So four exercises there. You might want to say, okay, let me do 60 seconds at each station and let me do four rounds of that. So the beauty with mixing and matching is you can choose as many or as little stations as you want based on what you enjoy and based on what exercises don't flare up your symptoms. And then away you go. You're maintaining cardiovascular fitness. A lot of these exercises will get the heart pumping, uh, maintains the capacity and the limits of all your other joints and um, muscles, ligaments, tendons, all those things. The benefits of like vascularization, blood flow, we had that in our universal principles. I think it was episode seven or eight. Um, the benefits that you have when you are trying to manage an injury, if you can find some sort of alternative that gets your heart pumping, gets the blood circulating around the body, the tissues heal with oxygenated blood getting delivered to that area. And so if you're creative enough and you're coming up with these solutions to still stimulate that cardiovascular system, still get the blood pumping and doesn't flare up symptoms, you're in a really, really good position. As well as your mental health. Uh, we know that injuries can have a huge mental toll on people and just being active and finding a solution just to you know keep exercising, keep those endorphins going can have a really good benefit on your mood, your mental health, but also it's just good for recovery. So very important to keep in mind. Um, these, When we talk about cross-training as well, um, you might want to consider the intensity of those exercises. So if you are recovering from a knee issue and a plantar fasciitis and you think that cycling would be a really nice cross-training alternative, Really intense sessions on the bike might stir things up, but really moderate to easy sessions on the bike might be fine. So we need to consider 
intensities. The same way um, in step one, when we're talking about running modifications, sometimes speed, sometimes terrain, all these other modifications might flare things up. So we need to be aware of those modifications. Um, the same goes with cross training. So if we continue with the um, example of the bike, you might want to change your posture. You might want to change your pedal stroke. You might want to change how often you spend up on the pedals. You might want to change um, where you position your hands on the handlebars because all of these things could irritate, but making some of these modifications may um, help calm things down. Now, this requires a lot of insight into understanding um, the nature and the mechanics and the pathology of your injury. But if you, it's still too confusing, that's why you can um, recruit a health professional, someone to help guide you along the way. Um, say like for swimming, I have a lot of PHT clients, proximal hamstring tendinopathy, and sometimes some swimming is fine, but if they do too much kicking, that can irritate. So we spend uh, a few laps doing some light kicking. Then we spend a few laps just with the buoy in between their knees. So they're not doing any kicking and that can be a nice modification. So you can still stay active with that cross training alternative. However, um, it keeps their symptoms and keeps their injuries at bay. This episode is sponsored by the Run Smarter app. This includes all my free and paid content along with housing the patron-exclusive podcast episodes. You can download this free app by searching Run Smarter App in your app directory and start scrolling through past podcast episodes, blogs, and videos. You'll find categories like injury prevention, running misconceptions, strength and performance, and of course, injury-specific information. You've already learned a lot listening to the podcast. Why not kick it up one more gear through the Run Smarter app? Halfway there. So we had step one, which is just seeing what level of volume of running and modifications need to be made. Step two was looking at some cross-training alternatives. Step three is your rehab exercises, which I think was what Tamsin was first talking about when submitting her question around how do we find the time? How can we possibly organize trying to rehab two, ex two injuries at once when it's so hard just to, to juggle the juggle both of them. So I've got a couple of tips here to uh, make it more manageable and some things you might want to consider if you're finding it really tough trying to juggle rehab exercises with uh, of more than one injury. So tip one is to find sort of bang for your buck exercises that help what well, could potentially help both uh, injuries. So if you say can do a single leg deadlift and then during the up phase if you go into a calf raise and then go back down into that deadlift and you kind of got those actions where you're working the entire kinetic chain could potentially like helps the hip helps the uh, the hamstring helps the calf strengthens the knee like these sort of multi-direction multi-joint exercises could potentially um rehab both depending what injuries you have but can be really, really effective and you can be really proactive with just a few of these exercises. Another one that I've done in the past is doing a wall sit. So you do a wall sit or a wall squat up on your toes to really work the soleus muscle. Also, I've been known to add in like a TheraBand pull apart. So 
Um, if you're in that wall squat, if you are up on your toes and then your arms are out in front of you, nice and straight, and you're holding onto a TheraBand and then just pulling that TheraBand apart to strengthen shoulders, strengthen your scapula, um, if you do have a shoulder injury. So like doing multiple things at once for just one exercise, really bang for your buck type of exercises could be quite helpful. Uh, another one would be like a bridge or a single leg bridge, but incorporating, um, again, band pull aparts, incorporating like a band around your knees where you're pressing the knees out against that resistance band while doing a bridge or a single leg bridge, uh, or an adductor squeeze where you've got like a foam roller or a foam pad in between your knees and you're squeezing your knees and strengthening your adductors during that bridge. So it's just incorporating a lot more muscle groups into one exercise would most likely require a coach, a health professional to help um, assign you those exercises. But if you go to that health professional and say, look, I'm really struggling with all of these, these list of exercises to do, can we kind of combine certain exercises? Can we find these um, progressions where it's doing multiple things at once to make the rehab um, time more manageable? So that's tip one. The second tip I have is just you can alternate your rehab days. You don't have to do multiple exercises for a particular injury multiple times a day. Usually if someone's really irritable, um, let's let's go away from the legs. Let's use the shoulder for an example. If, I, if someone comes into me and they've got a really irritable shoulder and they need some strengthening exercises, we usually start with the little and often and then we progress to the stronger, less often. So you might want to do TheraBand exercises really light. And I might say then they can do it like up to three times a day, sometimes more. Um, but it's really, really light. But as they get stronger and their injury starts to become more um, stable, we then give them stronger exercises and do it less often. So if you've got to the point where you say doing exercises maybe once a day, um, just alternate. One day might be looking after your shin splints. Then the next day might be looking after your knee. That way it's just mentally more manageable um, because I know a lot of people, it's just human nature. Once you have a lot of things to do, a lot of exercises on board, you just don't do them because you're too overwhelmed and you just end up doing none of them or um, trying to find time to dedicate half an hour to do all your exercises and that half an hour just never comes you much rather break it into like 10 minutes here and there and say, okay, today's my shin splint day. Let's solely focus on one thing um, just to cut that cognitive load, cut that decision-making process out and just stick to one, managing one injury on one day, move into the next. Tip three when it comes to the rehab exercises is just find, if there's if you have a list of five plus exercises to manage with, Go to your health professional and say, I'm struggling to find I'm struggling to find the time to manage all these exercises. Can we just find two or three really good exercises? What's the best three we have? Say for tendinopathies, we can even just scale it back to one or two really good exercises um, that are slow, heavy resistance exercises. Because if I'm managing, if I have a client who has a tendinopathy and they do have time available to do four or five exercises or give them four or five exercises. And it might include, let's say they have an Achilles tendinopathy. 
we'll give exercises to load the Achilles. We'll give exercises to strengthen the calf, which is the same complex. But I'd also, if they are, if they want more exercises or they do have the time available, I'll start doing some hip glute exercises. We know that people who have weaker glutes are more susceptible to getting Achilles tendinopathy. We know that the population, the Achilles tendinopathy population have weaker glutes. So as an adjunct, as a bit of a, um, uh, exercise that goes alongside that rehab, I'd give them glute exercises. But if someone said, I'm really struggling for time, I can think of one really, really good exercise. It might be heavy, slow, eccentric calf raises. And I say, this is the exercise that you're going to do. And this is the exercise you're going to progress with and just make it super simple for PHT. I'd give them deadlifts for patellofemoral pain or like runner's knee. I'd see what level of squats they can do, how heavy a squat they can tolerate within acceptable levels and give them that for shin splints. I'd give them one exercise, which would be like heavy soleus strengthening, um, if it's their glutes, I might assign them like a single leg deadlift or a hip thrust, just like one exercise that they can do really well. It's going to do um, work wonders for their rehab. So we can always hone things down. Um, oh, plantar fasciitis. I would give them weighted calf raises with uh, into toe extension. So they've got like a towel under their toes that sort of keeps their toes into a bit of extension. Then they're going and doing calf raises. These are just... I guess one-off examples, but every case is different. Someone might be able to not be able to tolerate it. Their symptoms might be too severe or too irritable to do these exercises, but I could usually pick one exercise that would be the best exercise for them to have. So keep that in mind. Um, And it's, if you're finding it's not manageable, go back to your health professional and say, look, I'm really struggling to find time to manage this. What's the best we can do? How can we cut this in say half but still be really effective. I think they'd be able to come up with something. Okay, the last one, step four I have is the strength training. And this is a quick one. It's different from rehab exercises. Rehab exercises are trying to overcome your injury with modifications the best way possible. Strength training is your soul dedicated two times per week, building up strength to assist your running fill in all those gaps within your running training in order for you to be a more well-rounded, resilient athlete. So that's that's where the difference comes in. Um, and again, trying to find whatever variations, modifications you need to do within your strength training that twice a week that we're all doing <laughs> um, that doesn't increase symptoms. So you may need to reduce the weight for some exercises. It might be your squats or your deadlifts. Um, you might need to reduce the range of movement. So if you do have a proximal hamstring tendon that's flaring up or knee pain that's flaring up, you could probably still stay just as heavy what you're previously doing, but just reduce the range of movement. So do a half squat or a half deadlift and it still maintain acceptable levels of pain. Again, trial and error. Again, everyone's different. Every symptom is at a different severity, irritability, but these are just ideas for you to play around with. Um, You might reduce your plyo work. Usually with a lot of injuries, the speed speed efforts um, tend to be more provocative. So you might want to just remove it for a week or two and continue doing the heavy, slow stuff that you've always been doing without modifications. Um, or if worse comes to worse, you can always downgrade an exercise. If single leg deadlifts um, 
are provocative, you might want to downgrade that to double leg deadlifts. If it's a Bulgarian split squat, you might just want to reduce that down to lower weight lunges. If it's squats that are irritating things, you might want to reduce that down to wall sits. Plenty of options out there. So they're the four steps that I have. One, modifications that you can make in your running that be like volume, terrain, um, speed, footwear, cadence, all of these sort of things that you need to modify to keep both of these injuries or all of these injuries at bay, keep them within acceptable pain levels. Same with cross-training. Find a cross-training alternative, make those adjustments, um, make those modifications to that cross-training decision to make sure all injuries stay at bay. Three is the rehab exercises. If you are struggling to find time to manage all of these, combine the exercises, those bang for your buck exercises, either alternate days, assign specific days to rehab a certain injury, or just find really, really good exercises. That way you're the, the most efficient way possible in the most efficient time. And then the strength training, just modifying the weights, the range of movement, um, the particular exercise, modifying the particular exercise to keep all symptoms at bay. Then week by week, you should start seeing improvements. That freedom that you have, those modifications or restrictions that you've put on yourself, slowly start lifting. Then we're back to becoming resilient runners and you're, you're better because of it because you've been creative throughout the process. You've been proactive. You've been as active as you possibly can and you're being resourceful with the options that you have and just building up your, your running knowledge base for future decisions to be made um, if you do so find yourself with another injury it does sound tricky it does sound a bit complicated but if you have a combination if you have a couple of different injuries and you're really struggling to find a solution um, that's when it's best to consult a health professional to uh, especially if you're not seeing improvements that's why i have the the free 20 minute injury chat it's in every um, description in the show notes of every episode and a lot of you have taken advantage of that. I've set, I've had a lot of people booking in for those free injury chats just to see um, if there's any way I could help with their injury, if they need to understand the injury a bit more, or if they need to discuss sort of online physio options, if it's best for them, how it exactly works. Um, so that's why it's there. It's going to be there in every episode. Um, so hope you enjoyed. Hopefully you found this insightful. And I think we have for our next episode, I'm going to be chatting about um, muscle strains and like the principles of muscle strains, maybe use like a hamstring or a calf um, in the past oh, as an example, because I've done a lot of tendinopathies, um, but specific calf strains, muscle strains in general, the principles that go alongside that I haven't really talked about. So I'll bring that into next episode. And as I sign off, remember every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, 
who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.